Today is part two of our five-part series uh, titled, Do Not Be Afraid. And we're focusing on these four words that were spoken by Jesus, our Prince of Peace. He spoke these words on several different occasions, and that's what we're looking at through this sermon series. We have a sermon study guide available on our website. I hope you can go to that website and download it. It's uh, universitysda.church. That's www.universitysda.church. And you can get the study guide so you can track along and get the most out of the message today. Before we get into the Bible, let's pray and ask God to bless us. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to have church online once again. And Lord, we pray that as we spend time in your word, focusing on Jesus and this, these amazing stories, that you will send your Holy Spirit to guide us, to inspire us, to take us deeper in our relationship with you, understanding you more and understanding your word and how it applies in our lives during these days of earth's history. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be at pretty much for this whole message. Mark chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verses 21 and on to 24. The Bible says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Jairus is referred to as the ruler of the synagogue. We could think of him as a religious leader, a responsible and respected person. Despite his own rank as a leader, he comes and he humbly falls at Jesus' feet and passionately pleads for Jesus to come save his daughter's life. His little 12-year-old girl. When we compare Mark's account of this story with Matthew and Luke's account, we pick up some additional insights. Luke reveals that Jairus's daughter is his one and only daughter. So this is daddy's only little girl, his little princess, and he desperately wants her to live. The Gospel of Matthew says that Jairus came and worshipped Jesus. That's an interesting uh, insight. When he falls at his feet, he is not just falling at his feet to ask him this question. He's also worshipping Jesus, praising him in the middle of the storm that he and his family are going through with this severe illness and potential death of their daughter. And Matthew indicates that the young girl was basically on her deathbed. She was almost dead. In fact, 
The Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary puts it like this, Matthew's statement is not to be considered in disagreement with those of Mark and Luke. Rather, according to Matthew, the Father speaks of death as being certain unless Christ intervenes. So this is an urgent medical emergency. If Jesus doesn't intervene, Jairus's daughter will die. So Jairus demonstrates great faith in Jesus' power to heal. Come, Lord, heal my daughter. Jesus understands the seriousness of this situation, and so he agrees to go with him. And the Bible says a great multitude followed them and went on this journey to Jairus' home. And as they're on their way, the Bible records another story within this story. Let's read it in verses 25 and 26. The Bible says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. This woman had suffered for many, as many years as Jairus's daughter had been alive. Twelve years, that's a long time to suffer. And because of her medical condition, she was considered unclean. Here's how the Andrews Study Bible notes explain it. With this condition, uh, women, sorry, women with this condition were considered unclean and were prohibited from entering the temple and coming in contact with people or things. Anything or person that she touched became unclean. She was in the same category as a leper. Wow, what an insight. We don't know this woman's name, but we know she did all she could to be healed. She went to many doctors and she spent all that she had, but there was no solution. Instead of getting better, she got worse. She is without hope almost. What can she do? No one can help her. But the Bible says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, oh, that's good news. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She's desperate. She's going through the crowd and likely touching or bumping into many different people and defiling them, causing them to be unclean. But she had faith and hope. She had to get to Jesus to be healed. And verse 29 says, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But that his disciples said to him, You see the multitudes thronging you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him 
and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Did you notice that she did just what Jairus did? Remember, he fell down and worshiped Jesus, earnestly asking him to come heal his only daughter. Likewise, the woman comes and falls at Jesus' feet too, but she does this after he has already healed her. Also, please notice that Jesus is very clear about how she was healed. Her faith made her well. According to the Desire of Ages, Jesus gave no opportunity for superstition to claim healing virtue for the mere act of touching his garments. That wasn't it. It was not through the outward contact with him, but through the faith which took hold on his divine power that the cure was wrought. It was through faith, friends, the touch of faith. As Peter had said, lots of people were touching Jesus. This was a time of popular popularity for Jesus. And the great multitude was crowding all around him. Jesus was sympathetic to those in that large crowd as well. But the casual touches, the pats on the back, the hugs, the handshakes that might have taken place, these did not lead the people in the crowd to be healed. It was the touch of faith that brought healing to the woman who had suffered for so long. In relation to this, Ellen White makes a very important spiritual application in the book Ministry of Healing, page 62. She writes this, To the curious crowd pressing about Jesus, there was imparted no vital power. But the suffering woman who touched him in faith received healing. So in spiritual things does the casual contact differ from the touch of faith. To believe in Christ merely as the Savior of the world can never bring healing to the soul. The faith that is unto salvation is not a mere assent to the truth of the gospel. True faith is that which receives Christ as a personal Savior. Note that, friends, personal Savior. God gave his only begotten Son that I, by believing in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16, when I come to Christ according to his word, I am to believe that I receive his saving grace. The life that I now live, I am to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2 verse 20. Friends, Jesus needs to be more than the Savior. He needs to be my Savior your Savior, our Savior. It needs to be deeply personal. Being a Christian is not just about believing some theological truths. It's a personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's not be content with a casual connection with Christ. 
like the crowd surrounding him and Jairus that day. Let's have a personal relationship, a personal friendship, a personal faith in Jesus. Let me briefly illustrate this. I grew up in a large Seventh-day Adventist community when I was a kid over in the U.S. I attended a large church with a large Sabbath school class, and this was a great environment and it blessed my life tremendously. But just being in a good Adventist school and a good church community did not mean that I had a personal relationship with Jesus. My personal relationship with Jesus really developed more as I studied the Bible myself and did Bible studies and got baptized when I was 12 years old. It was at that time when Jesus became more than the Savior to me, he became my Savior, my personal Savior, as I put my faith in him. Let's go back to this story, friends. Verse 35 says, While he, Jesus, was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Let's pause for just a second right here. So far in this story and the story within the story, we've seen a lot of faith. Jairus has faith. The woman demonstrates great faith. But now this person comes or these people come from Jairus's home with devastating news. His daughter is dead. And this messenger or messengers have no hope and they offer no faith for Jesus to even be able to do anything about it. Don't trouble the teacher anymore, they say. It's over. There's nothing that anybody can do about it. And immediately, Jesus hears what's being said and he jumps into the conversation to offer hope. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. That's the words that our whole series is based on. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. Only believe. What powerful words from the great healer. He had just healed the woman who had seen all the doctors that she could and spent all she had. And now in the face of this devastating news, she's dead don't even bother the teacher anymore. Jesus calms the storm for Jairus with the words, don't be afraid. Just believe. Only believe. Don't be afraid, Jairus. You've just seen me heal the woman. Don't be afraid. Believe that I can resurrect your daughter. Before we continue the story, let me share a great insight from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary. I'm quoting here, Where there is fear, there is little faith. Faith drives out fear. Jairus had been sufficiently strong in faith so that he found no difficulty in believing that Jesus could heal his daughter. Now he was called upon to exercise even greater faith. Faith that the clutch of death itself could be broken. Now 
pay attention to this next line, guys. Now, uh, when fear haunts our souls and taunts our feeble faith, let us do as Jesus bade Jairus. Only believe, for all things are possible to him that believeth. And he's quoting, she's quoting there from Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Did you catch that, friends? Faith drives out fear. But some of you might be thinking, Pastor, I am afraid. I have fear and I don't have much faith. If any of us are feeling like that, there's another story in the Bible of someone who could relate. The father's son was demon-possessed, and, and Jesus told him the, the words at the end of that quote from Mark chapter 9, verse 23. All things are possible to him that believeth. And the father replied, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Friends, if your faith is weak these days, then ask God to help your unbelief, to strengthen your faith. And surely, friends, I believe this is a prayer that God is happy and willing to answer, to strengthen our faith. Back to the Bible, verse 37. And Jesus permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. I could preach another sermon about those words of Jesus right there, but we don't have time for that today. So this short quote will do from the Andrew Study Bible notes. They say, Scripture teaches that death is asleep. That's just what Jesus said, isn't it? She's sleeping. The Greek philosophy that when one dies, the soul goes to heaven or hell and the body remains in the grave is not supported in Scripture. Death is but a sleep until the life giver comes to resurrect the whole person. Jesus says the little girl was sleeping. And let's read how the story ends. And they ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They laughed at Jesus when he says this. But the Bible says he, when he put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the Bible says, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. Isn't Jesus so amazing? He raises this little girl from the dead. And he also pays attention to uh, what would some would think it was a minor detail. Give her some food to eat. Jesus cares about the little things even. Give her some food to eat, he says. 
the life giver, Jesus, resurrected Jairus's one and only daughter, a precious little 12-year-old girl. On his way there, the great physician healed that woman who had suffered for so many years. So what are our takeaway lessons from these powerful stories, this story within a story? I've got five takeaway lessons and then we're done, friends. Lesson number one, Jesus was their only hope. He is our only hope also. One day soon, Jesus will come. He will deliver us from this world that is infected with sin, with disease, with pain, with war and death. Our deliverer is coming, friends. He's our only hope. Takeaway number two, when the doctors can't do anything, Jesus is the great physician who can heal. Jesus can heal us physically. He can heal us emotionally. He can heal us spiritually. He alone can save us from the wages we all deserve, which is death. Takeaway number three, in the midst of a crisis, Jairus worshiped Jesus. Let's remember to worship him too during the crisis that we're going through. I know that worshiping at home isn't the same as worshiping at our church. I know that we're missing the fellowship, the hugs, the handshakes, the greetings, the, the time together. We're missing the congregational singing. We're missing seeing all the little kids come forward for the children's story. We're missing so much by not being together. The coronavirus, COVID-19, has dramatically changed our world in a short period of time. But let's follow Jairus's example. In the midst of the storm, let's remember to worship God. Yes, friends, definitely let's worship him on the seventh day Sabbath, like God commanded us to do in the fourth commandment. But let's also worship him every single day. You know my favorite Arabic words, kill yom, every day, every day, kill yom, let's worship Jesus, not just on the Sabbath, every single day. Let's worship our creator God, our savior, our soon coming king. And takeaway number four, when we get bad news, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Only believe, Jesus said. Have faith. Trust in Jesus when your world is falling apart. Tell the Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And he will. He will strengthen our faith. He will give us more faith. He'll increase our faith. And takeaway number five, when the sting of death hits our family, like it hit Jairus's family, when it hits our friends, when it hits our community, remember Jesus' resurrection power. He has power over the grave. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, 
Thank you so much for your holy word and these stories of Jesus healing people who couldn't be healed in any other way, of raising little girls from the dead when the family was devastated and could do nothing. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we can find in you and only in you. Lord, help us to trust, help us to have faith. We believe, Lord, but help our unbelief. Strengthen us during these trying days when we're at home and we can't do anything and go anywhere and see anybody hardly. Help us, Lord. Help us not to be afraid, but help us to believe, to trust in you, to cling to the promises of your word. And Lord, we cling to that wonderful promise that Jesus said he was coming again and he would come again soon. That's the day we're looking forward to, Lord. So help us be ready for that day. Help us look forward to that day with great hope and with faith and help us to share this good news of our powerful healer, our savior, the one who has power over the grave. Help us to share the gospel with our community here in Lebanon and our communities around the world. Help us to spread the gospel while we still can. So more people will be ready when Jesus comes. Thank you, Lord, for the hope we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.